listening to First Church Charlotte. to teach the word of the Lord, so let's, let's look at that here today. I think I'll read a scripture. Uh, turn with me in uh, the word of the Lord to f- uh, the second book of Corinthians. Let's stand together, and we will read at 2 Corinthians chapter number, chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Um, I'm going to be somewhat subdued uh, in my preaching today. I have, uh, I'm three weeks out from back surgery and I have a cold and if I preach too hard, it makes me cough and if I cough, it hurts really bad and if I hurt bad, then I'm mean to my wife and she shoots me and I really want to survive the day and so that's how we're going to do that. 2 Corinthians 10 and let's read at uh, verse number 3, very familiar passage, you will know it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We walk in the flesh, but we do not do spiritual warfare in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Somebody say captivity. Your heart is free, but your mind should be brought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience, not in others, in yourself, when your obedience is fulfilled. So, I am going to speak for a few moments from this idea, the seen and the unseen. The seen and the unseen. Before you're seated, smile at your neighbor, say, listen good, I know you need this a lot today. Amen. All right, so I, I, I want to start by letting you know that I occasionally will have a message in my heart that I don't know how to preach. It's not really the way you're supposed to start a, a sermon by telling people you don't know how to preach that sermon because they're already there and they think to themselves, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to be the guinea pig here today. So this is me telling you that you're all going to be the guinea pig here today. I don't know exactly how to convey this idea that's been in my spirit all week long, but I, I deeply feel that it is it is foundational to our success as individual believers, and it is a necessary uh, foundational element of how it is that we please God, how we are used of God, and how we promote the kingdom of God in our life. And that is this, this, this sense of a divine invitation to an individual, asking them not to live according to the ways of their flesh, not to live by what they can see. Somebody say, what I can see. Not to live by what I can see, but rather, this is God's invitation for you to live a different kind of life. This is God's invitation for me and you to live a different kind of life, not a life of walking by sight, not a life of working by the flesh, but an invitation to a realm that is, it is impossible for you to see in your flesh. Yes, weighty pause. I want you to think about this. 
when God calls you, when God called me, and when he called you, he is not simply saying, hey, identify yourself as a religious person, and then come hang out with other religious persons, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be kind of a church person, and that'll be great. It is, not, it is not simply a label of identity that is that the world would know that you're a religious person. It is truly an invitation to a way of living Okay, let me, let me tell you a story. You guys know this story. Abraham is at home, and he is with his family. He's inside his safety zone, and God speaks to him. And God asks him to leave this land he's in, leave his family, leave everything he knows, and go look, go seek, follow after the voice of God. And what does God offer Abraham? Stay with me here just for a moment. I really, I really need to uh, get this out of my spirit. And the only way I can get it out of my spirit is to give it to the people I feel a spiritual responsibility for. And that is you guys. And I've got to get this out of my spirit to you. You have to see you are being invited not to a a religious rule set. Everything has rules, including religion. Everything has rules, including uh, organizations of faith. That's not the point. That's not what you're being invited to. Rules of ethics and rules of of kind of how we comport ourselves, that is not what you're being invited to. That is a result of a way of living. That is not the point. That's That's a side thing. It is an act of, of, of love that you do unto the Lord. All good works that you do, all the changes you make in your life, that is all an act of love to the Lord. But that's not what you're being called to. You're being called to a way of living whereby you are not walking according to the thoughts of your mind, but you are responding to a summons of the Spirit. Can you see a world beyond this world? (coughs) Excuse me. Can you see the eternal, or can you only see the temporal? You see, this is what Abraham is being invited to. If you think Abraham is primarily being invited to a life of special blessing, you've missed the point of the wilderness years. If you think it's simply about having children as many as the sands of the sea, you miss the fact that God won't give him one child until he is at the stage where he thinks there's nothing to be done anymore. It's hopeless. And further, he will not fulfill the literal promise, your children shall be as the sands of the seas, in Abraham's lifetime. And yet he is asking him to see the unseen. Okay, so if we are just religious people, you can be religious and not choose to be a person of great faith. You can come to church and not be a person of great faith. I know I've done it the whole seasons of my life. I was still religious, but I did not know how to see that which was unseen. So God calls us. And God challenges us to step out of the seen and into the unseen. And our ability, somebody say my ability. My ability. 
my ability to be useful in God's kingdom is directly related to my ability to let go of the seen and embrace the unseen. And so, let me tell you another story. Jesus, powerful, opening blinded eyes, raising the dead, healing the sick, goes back to his hometown. And the Bible says he could do, he could do no great works there other than he healed some people. Why? Because their ability to perceive him as something other than what they had already seen was directly related to what he would do among them. Okay, so I know, I know you just looked at me through that whole statement, so I'm going to have to pause here, and I'm going to have to make it more personal. God's ability to produce spiritual breakthroughs in your life is directly related to your ability to embrace the unseen realm. I have no idea how God is going to do it, but I refuse doubt. So, so, so the Bible gives us the story in Luke chapter 2, I believe it is, where the, spirit, the Spirit's going to overshadow a Mary. And the angel comes before this overshadowing, and the angel speaks to her and kind of opens up her understanding on what's going to happen. And, and, uh, and after the angel says, all these things is going to happen, the Spirit's going to overshadow you, you're favored among women, uh, the, all of these, these, these things are going to uh, change, it's the Savior of the world, all of these promises, all of these promises, Mary... Being a, a teenage girl and not really claiming any insight into the things of God, she says exactly the right thing. When you do not know how it could happen, you simply say, let it be according to your word. And that's what Mary, this favored young woman among all of uh, the story of <laughs> humanity, this, this, this young lady chosen as a vessel to bring forth the Messiah of the world, she says, let it be according to your world. You know how hard that is for us? Most of us want to try to figure out how God's going to do it so we can do it. We want to figure out how God's going to do it so we can strategically place ourselves as though God doesn't know how to get us where we need to be. Most of us want to figure out what's going to happen next so... Really, you know, we are able to uh, do it without faith. You see, if God tells you how, you don't have to believe. You just look for the this and this and this and this and this. And Well, next comes the rapture. God is not inviting you to a path of the seen. He's inviting you to a spiritual journey of the unseen. And so when things happen in your life, it is possible for you and I to respond like an atheist would respond. I heard a phrase the other day, somebody explaining what practical atheism was. Practical atheism is when you say you believe, but do everything an unbeliever would do in response to uncertainty in your life. 
How about them apples? I'm just being so positive here today, aren't I? So I just want to lift you up and take you up to the highest ground. I want you to see it's possible for me to say I'm a believer. So, so, so I did this in the er- earlier service. I, I think maybe it's helpful a little bit. Say you have a neighbor who is atheist or agnostic, and you're, you're a believer. At least you're striving to be a believer. You're claiming to be a believer. You want to be a believer. I know that's true of me. I'm sure it's true of you. You want to be a believer, and something happens in your life that just knocks you off your feet. It's horrible. You're terrified. There's running and screaming and, and, and tears and drama. And what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Well, okay, so this happens to both you and your neighbor. How does your atheist or agnostic neighbor respond? Well, the first thing he or she does is try to figure out if they know anything about it. What's the smart move here? Uh, then after that, they may try to get some expert help. And uh, if it's legal trouble, they want an attorney. If it's medical trouble, they want a doctor. Um, if, it's, if it's like any type of uh, life circumstance, they want to find someone to give an advice, a counselor, a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, some kind of a life coach or, you know, the et cetera, uh, many things along that vein. And, and then you get everything figured out and then you do what you think is best in response to what happened. That's what an unbeliever does. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's wrong with that is when that's what people who claim to believe do. We do the same thing that the unbeliever would do. We figure out if we know anything about it. Then we go get some professional help. If we're sick, we get a doctor. And this, uh, if we're in law trouble, get a lawyer. And then after that, we figure out our plan and we do what we think we should do. We have lived as a practical atheist because faith is not... Mm. Faith is not a life plan in the sense of I'm going to first do A and then I'm going to do B. Faith is the ultimate surrender to God that says, I don't know how any of that is going to happen, number one. Number two, I'm unqualified to bring any of this kind of victory to bear. Number three, I don't even know where to begin. But this is what I know. I am not alone, and you did not bring me this far to abandon me to uncertainty. I don't know how to fix the sickness that's in my body, but God, I'm yours. And if you want me to be sick, I'm going to be sick with a shout. I don't want to be in trouble down here, Lord, but I am yours. And if you want me to be in trouble, honey, I'm going to shout through my trouble. I don't know how to get out of this mess, God. How many of you have ever been really broke? Put your hand down, Don. You ain't never been broke in your life. You were, you're a trust fund baby. What are you talking about? You get a check every month. Nor him. How long did it take you to get sick of being broke? Well, it happens like this. I realized I was broke and I got real sick right away. <laughs> uh, I want to say something to all of you who have children particularly and you feel like you're struggling financially. You should never fall into the lies of the carnal philosophy of our society to think that your children have some massive disadvantage in their life because they don't have the latest game toy. 
That is a lie from hell. When Jesus chose a family, he chose a poor family. There is no shame in having a humble life and having to be really organized and disciplined to make ends meet. There is no shame in it. And further, it can be a testimony unto God how you stand up in tough times without bitterness, without turning into a professional victim. You carry your circumstance with nobility. There is no shame in it. We do not need some certain level of carnal pleasure or carnal possession in order to be godly, blessed people of divine favor. I'm thankful for blessing in my life, and I'm blessed. I'm very thankful for it. But let me tell you, it's God's, and if he ever needs it, he can take it all, and I'll still be his. Why am I saying that? I know people who have been broke and get angry at God because they feel like God should not leave them in this financial circumstances. But there is an invitation in your life. And it's not about Christian prosperity. I believe in Christian prosperity in its appropriate context. I believe in blessing, financial, spiritual, relational, social. I believe in all of that. Furthermore, I believe in favor. And I believe God. God can give you favor with him, and through that, he can give you favor with others. I believe in all of that, but I want you to see, the moment you feel like serving God is about favor, you have just assumed a demonic state of mind, because you have made a worship of selflessness into a worship of self. And that's the Lucifer path. Yeah, God's good and God's powerful, but have you looked at me lately? I know we're supposed to be worshiping God, but y'all look how cool I am. It is not demonic power in the sense of some Hollywood movie. It is the exaltation of self above the creator who spoke self into existence. If it were not for God, there would not be breath in these lungs. This self is God's gift. It's called sovereignty, to use a theological term. God gave you who you are. He breathed into you the breath of life. He gave you sovereignty. And he invites you to live differently than this world. He invites you to believe that even when it looks like you're struggling, you're blessed. He invites you to believe that even when you have no children, your children are going to be like the sands of the sea. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me here today. That's okay. I'm just going to preach longer. He invites you to a different way of living. If you are, if you'd have a worse job you've ever had in your life and you're struggling, first of all, quit fighting and quit being bitter and quit being angry. Submit yourself to the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, you have me in this circumstance for a reason and I'm going to find it and I'm going to do it. And when you are done with me, you're going to open up another door for me. It's going to be better. It's going to be greater. I have no kids, but I'm believing you're going to give me the sands of the sea as an inheritance. This This is one of the most difficult things of of being faith people. 
because if we're not careful, and oftentimes depending on the way you were raised, you will think serving God is primarily about uh, maybe a way of doing church. So if you grew up and they sang a certain certain set uh, of songs or styles, or you will think serving God is when you are in compliance with that set of of, of church style. Uh, if you if you grew up with with a certain introduction to 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 a church or faith, or uh, you, you will you will by the way of the flesh thinks that you're religious. So if you grew up and your parents put in you the the deep value of being a part of the body of Christ. And I pray all of you parents are are showing your children the value of being a part of the body of Christ. None of us were made to do this by ourselves. Can I have an amen? You're not meant to do life alone. You're not meant to do ministry alone. You are not an ocean-going vessel. You were made to be put in an ocean-going vessel, and that's the old ship of Zion. (laughs) God made you to be a part of the ship, and the ship is journeying through the seas of our, our generation. And so, so it is that, that I, I hope that you are putting that in your children. But I want you to see uh, church and God being godly and, and being of God and being faithful and filled with faith is not about church style. You may like you may like a certain style. I grew up listening to certain generation of gospel music, and I, I love the people I like this morning. Uh, getting ready for church, I listened to BB and CC Wine, and praise God, bless their holy name. And and so um, I grew up with them, and um, uh, they were singing "Addicted to Love," which sounds like a secular song, but it's not. <laughs> Uh, no doubt about it I grew up with that so you know what you play that kind of music and it reminds me of a style of living and if I'm not careful I will think that style is what it means to be God's people what it means to be and and all of that is fine there's not a thing wrong with the way you the songs you grew up singing unless they're like wild and crazy songs you know but anyway moving along I want you to see the invitation to being godly is an invitation to a way of seeing the world a way of seeing the unseen realm, a way of responding to setback, a way of embracing promise, a way of surrendering talents and abilities, a way of saying, I might struggle, but if so, I'm going to be his in the struggle. I might be blessed. But if so, I'm going to be his in my blessing. I might be sick. I'm sick today. I might be sick, but I'm his in my sickness. If we as a church, hear me, remember, he went to his home, but they could only see him for what they decided he was. And so he did no great works there. We serve as a limiter to what God does. Because we are limited in what we can believe for and what we can see. So imagine uh, uh, some of the vehicles made nowadays have these limiters. You actually can program them and say, oh, it's a student driver and it takes about half the horsepower and it just hides it behind the computer wall. And uh, if anybody ever did that to my car, first of all, (laughs) 
I would have a very hard time forgiving them as the Lord instructed us to forgive. Uh, But you get the idea. You put a limiter on something, and it's just never going to go fast. You're going to need to merge, and it's going to be like, tough. You're going to need to to get somewhere in a hurry because the work of the Lord requireth haste, which is my favorite scripture in the word of the Lord. And you're going to need to get there, and all your ability is going to be hidden behind that computer. And it's going to be like, no, but I need to get there. So when we live by the flesh, when we see by the flesh. So let me say some things. I don't know the next potential breakthrough that exists in your life, but it does. Everybody here. You need spiritual breakthrough. Hear me. I'm not going much longer. Hear me. Your greatest blessing exists in God's purpose through the next growth door and ministry surrender in your life. And I want to challenge you and I want to tell you the half has not been told of what you can do for the Lord. The half has not even been told, Dion. It hasn't even been told. See, I surprise you. It has not even been told. Who else can I pick on? Lisa. It has not even been told. Taylor, I'm just picking on this whole row. I'm going to give you a break, though, because I can't remember your name. You have to forgive me about that. She's like, thank God. What would you say? Lynn. Lynn. The half has not been told, Lynn, of what you could do in God's hands. And you might say within yourself, I'm a simple, I'm a simple tool. I don't feel that big time or fancy. But if I give something simple to a master craftsman, they don't need complicated. Do you see what is next is right. It's right there. It exists. I said it exists. Devante, I got to pick on you, brother. Brother Devante is a high school teacher in Chicago. And in Chicago, everybody kills their neighbor. It says so in the scripture. They just, they bust out the gat. They bust a cap. The body falls. He, he, he teaches right in the middle of some of those really, really tough neighborhoods. And he's a light of revival in his community. And I, I uh, respect your work, brother. I know it's easy to talk down to yourself. Well, I'm not preaching conferences. Well, me either, so no big deal. But you are a light in that community. But I want to say this to you, my brother. I want to say this to you. The breakthrough exists beyond what we can understand. The miraculous is beyond what we can figure out. You say, I don't know what would do. I could do next. I don't either. That's faith. And imagine Abraham saying, look, you told me I was going to have a bunch of crazy kids and there's going to be running around. There's going to be so many of them that um, it was going to be like you couldn't even count them and you just got exhausted trying. But God, not only do I not have one, but I'm past the eight. I'm past my child rearing years. I'm past my. In fact, Lord, I have a confession to make. I reminded my wife the other day of the promise and she laughed in my face. I want you all to see the greatest breakthrough that exists in your life is not in the seen. It's in the unseen. We're like Mary. You're like, I have no idea how all this is going to happen. But Lord, if you say it, I'm good with it. And let it be according to your word. 
But if the enemy can train us to think, I'm done, musicians, you come. If, if the enemy can train us to live like practical atheists, where we claim to believe, but we only live in what we can understand. So we have, uh, we have ministries here at the church, and we're always learning. We're always learning. That's something that... Uh, my ministry team, and I have one of the best ministry teams in the world, and I'm thankful for them. They always hear me saying, let's try and start failing as soon as possible. They hear me say that. Let's try. We'll learn from our, fa- our failure. We'll hone the process. We'll, we'll get better. Let's get started. Let's try. Let's do it. You know why I'm such a believer? Because everything that God has done has always been in an arena where he is the only one who could have done it. Amen. And we don't get to get the credit ourselves. Because he will not share credit. And if you can figure out a plan how you can do it, honey, go ahead. Knock yourself out. But I want to stand like Mary did and say, Lord, you, you know, it's angels telling me all this stuff that's going to happen. And I, it just makes no sense to me. But nevertheless, <laughs> let it be as you have said. I confess. I don't know how. So I want to I want to say here to all of you, as the pastor of this church, I don't know how to shake this city with a revival. Is that okay? But I believe God wants to shake this city with a great revival. Further, I claim it in Jesus' name. And I say, Lord, if you will so grant us that opportunity, we will not compete with you for the credit. Can the church say amen? I don't know how to fix broken people. But God called me to work with broken people. There's no perfect people God's called me to work with. I don't know how to organize unorganized people. I don't know how to do everything that God has challenged the church to do, number one, and number two, has placed in my heart. I don't know how to do it. The Lord will send me people who will fail with me (laughs) and will grow forward and will get better. But in your life, there is a stunning set of spiritual opportunities that exist. But as long as you are going to live primarily in the plan you can come up with or the plan you can figure, it's not how it's going to happen. You're going to have to look at your trouble and say, that's okay, God's on my side. I am going to have to look at the struggle and say, that's okay, God's on our side. You are going to have to be able to face the fact that disappointment is real. And you might be a little bit down, but you know who you belong to. And so you release all this struggle and wrestling and doubt and fear. And you say, though he slays me, 
I will serve him. Why would you say that? The first thing that you have to do to say that is it's the end of self because a selfish person will never say that. The selfish person says this, if you'll bless me, then I'll serve you. Job says, look, you can kill me. I'm yours. Whatever you choose, I am yours. And so my challenge for you here, I have a lot of thoughts and various things that I, I've, I've thought about talking about here today, but I feel like I'm done. Uh, I, I simply want to make an appeal for you all to choose to see everything through eyes of faith. In fact, I want those of you who are friends, you have friends in the church, I, I want you to start being the doubt police. Now, this is the only time I will ever ask any of you to play the role of the policy department. I want us to stop saying things of doubt. I don't want anyone to ever say a statement of doubt. And when you say it, I want you to retract it from the jury. It's to be stricken from the record and it's not to be adhered to because God's got this. I said, God's got this. Let's all stand together. Why don't you step out of the the, the seat you're in right now. I'd like you to come down to the front. And I want you to make a submission to God of your biggest struggle in your life. I want you to make a divine confession to God. What do I always try to take back in my own hands? And what do I need to lay at an altar before the Lord and say, I'm giving this to you, oh God. Because if we stay in the realm of what we know, we're going to live like a practical atheist. We, We don't want to do that. We want to live in the unseen and say, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I am committed to this truth. He is on my side. I want to, I want to kind of give you a a couple things to know that I think I'm going to try to make them like easy to carry here. (laughs) Something that you can carry with you. So how do we know when we're, we're getting it right and we're getting it wrong? It's actually not as complicated as we we think. And oftentimes we miss the simple because we love the complex or we love the glorious. So uh, I want I want to few things. Number one, if you are allowing yourself to be resentful against the church or angry at God disappointed in your circumstance it is a sign that you are living in the scene and you are blind to the unseen if you're bitter over things that have happened it should be like a glaring warning light in your life that you are a prisoner of the scene and you are blind to the unseen something a philosopher said the other day and it just kind of blew me away and I wasn't reading his material I just saw it as a quote and it basically was this to people who cannot hear music those who dance are perceived to be insane 
If you can't hear the music, people who dance seem to be insane. Imagine you're in a a small farming community and you're walking beside a meadow and you look out in the meadow and there's a half dozen people out there dancing. If you can hear the music, it makes perfect sense. And you think within yourself, that's fun. I like these people. They're right out here and they just turned on some music and they're dancing right here. But if you can't hear the music, you think you've stumbled into a little bit of a crazy house. So it is with serving the Lord. If you cannot perceive the realm beyond this realm, serving God this way seems like it's crazy. It seems insane to live this way. But if you can see, or let me say this, if you can value the unseen, if you can lay hold to that which exists beyond the possessions in your life, then you have this opportunity to live the life of one who is called by God not to live by sight, but to live by faith. And so whatever it is is going on in your life, doubt, fear, setback, anger, you're broke, your wife's mad at you. Well, it's the same thing. Uh, (laughs) Whatever you're going through, I'm promising you this. If you can pause from what you can see and value the unseen, it's as though you hear the music and you start moving with God. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it just all right. I don't know how my deliverance is coming, but I know there's a promise coming toward me. God, I don't know what glory you could get out of what I'm going through, but I know everything is for you. Everything is to you. Everything is through you. This is an invitation to walk by faith and not by sight. Do not speak doubt. Do not let people you love speak doubt. Tell them, no, 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 no. You take that back right now. You take it back right now. God's on the case. Everything is going to be all right. Turn to somebody right now and say, you stop worrying. Turn to somebody. Say, you stop worrying. God is going to do what God is going to do. Come on, somebody. Lift up your voice. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.